And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Streaming live on iHeartRadio. Available on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. Follow me on Twitter at Right Now Jim Dawes. Shoot me an email. My address is rightnowjimdolls at gmail.com or call and vent on the vent line at 772-245-0750. Get something off your chest, call me on the vent line at 772-245-0750. Well, buckle up, listeners. This is going to be uh, sort of a, a show that's all over the place. The, the news is so scattered, and uh, the, the news cycle now in this uh, this era of Trump and the resistance uh, comes at us so hot and heavy that uh, it's almost difficult to keep up with all of the really important stories that you know. You, I have to sort of curate, um, you know, what news that I cover on on this show, and um, sometimes some important. Uh, stories that, uh, you know, would be deserving of our attention, um, uh, get pushed back and pushed back. And, uh, I have to try to squeeze them all in and that's what, uh, today's going to be all about. So you have no doubt heard by now the, uh, the terrible tragedy with these, um, nine or 10, uh, Mormon women and children that have been murdered, um, by the drug cartels down in Sinaloa, uh, state in Mexico. An absolute, just, uh, just maddening tragedy that you really can't even uh, express words for. Uh, uh, mothers and children traveling along a, a rural road are set upon by warring drug cartels, and little children, uh, babies in their car seats, fired upon. And then their bodies burned. Um, civilization is is broken down. While the United States has been dicking around over in the Middle East, spending trillions of dollars and sacrificing sacrificing thousands of our young people's lives, and bogged down over in Ukraine, while the the State Department and the elite Ivy educated foreign policy experts. Um, you know, try to figure out how to reignite a cold war. We have allowed right here on our own border a narco state to emerge in Mexico and take root down there. One, because of our steadfast refusal to secure the border and allowing this uh, this cross-border drug trade to thrive and grow. And... uh and two, because um, you know we we refuse to uh, do what's necessary to attack the source of the drugs, much of which is coming from China in the form of fentanyl, that has taken over fifty thousand American lives in overdoses in one year, more than all of the troops killed in the Vietnam War. We've allowed Cuba, communist Cuba still a client state of Russia and China to take over vast uh, amount of infrastructure 
in Central and South America. We've allowed them to destabilize and take root with the Marxist government in Venezuela. It now appears that they're trying to uh, overturn uh, the elected government in Chile. And the murder of these Mormons uh, who are dual citizens of the United States and Mexico that live in Utah and the Sinaloa cartel, or the, um, uh, the province of um, Sonora, is, uh, is just the latest uh, example of what's going on there. Last year in Mexico, there were 36,000 murders, a large uh, chunk of them related to this, uh, this ongoing drug war down there. When I say drug war, I'm not talking about the Mexican government against the drug cartels. I'm talking about the drug cartels against each other. Apparently, the Mexican government at this point is badly outgunned. They, uh, they captured the son of El Chapo, I guess it was just one week ago, and that sent the, uh, the Sinaloa cartel on a mass killing spree. Um, in, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the, the city uh, where they were conducting this. But basically, they, uh, they started attacking police and civilians and infrastructure down there killing people at random uh, to force the release of El Chapo's son. And, in fact, the Mexican government did capitulate and and do just that. We've got sort of a Mad Max situation that we've allowed down there. And as a response to this terrible atrocity, the President uh, Trump offered his help to uh, AMLO, Lopez Obador, the president of Mexico, saying that if they needed help waging war on the drug cartels in order to wipe them off the face of the earth, that all he needed to do was pick up the phone and call. His response was apparently that uh, you, you can't win a, a drug war, that they want to they do it by um, peaceful means. Well, you can't. There's so much money involved in this uh, this drug trade that you can't invite these people to sit down at the table and think that they're going to disarm themselves and, and stop. You've got to treat them the same way we treated ISIS, and that is uh, declare all-out war on them and, as the president says, wipe them off the face of the earth. And this is sort of a manifestation uh, of you know the Democrats' determination to import a new class of voters by keeping this border open. Not only do we receive millions and millions of illegal refugees flooding across that border, but we receive tons and tons of drugs, including the, uh, the deadly fentanyl transiting from China uh, to Mexico through our southern border. And, uh, and still we've got the Democrats claiming that uh, this is a manufactured crisis. These Mormons were apparently a, uh, a, a fundamentalist Mormon sect, uh, still practice polygamy, huge families. I guess they're, uh, they're, they've set up house down there in Mexico to try to uh, maintain their, uh, their religious beliefs and their lifestyles. But... Um, this can't 
allow be allowed to go unanswered. The United States has got to have a response to this. Mexico President Obrador pointed out, uh, you know, the the massacre uh, by the uh, the shooter in El Paso that uh, that killed several uh, Mexican citizens. To try to point out that yes, the United States has its problems too. Well, the difference is the shooter in that case was promptly captured and will be tried and hopefully executed in a very short period of time. The uh, drug war in Mexico rages on, and you can't even arrest the heads of these cartels without uh, without their uh, superior firepower of the Mexican, bo- uh, the Mexican uh, drug cartels forcing you to release them. First and foremost, we need to secure the damn border. Second of all, we have to start asking ourselves, what, how long are we going to wait for permission from Mexico to, uh, to go down there and clean them out? We didn't ask permission from the Syrian government or the Iraqi government or the Libyan government or the uh, Afghanistan government to go in and do something about it. And how great would it be for America's military to actually fight for something that actually benefits America instead of securing other people's borders and, and dealing with their terrorists? How about we deal with our own border and deal with the narco-terrorists right here on our southern border, and save some actual American lives. Well, uh, we've got uh, election results from last night, and although Donald Trump uh, went in to try to um, salvage Matt Bevin's uh, governorship in Kentucky, as of this airing, he is losing uh, the election. The the Democrat candidate, uh, Bashir, has declared victory, but... um, Bevin is not conceding, and I don't blame him. The, uh, the vote count is um, just uh, 4,000 votes separates the, uh, the two candidacies, or the two candidates. Out of 1.5 million, that's a percentage of uh, 0.003%. That's sort of a rounding error when you're talking about 1.5 million votes and uh, you've got a, a, a lead of 4,000 votes. And uh, Bevin was a, a, a badly flawed candidate. Uh, he, he had run against uh, Mitch McConnell in a primary, got, got trounced there, and then uh, won uh, the election for governor. Um, he, he barely squeaked by in the primary, the GOP primary for his governor's race, and then won a convincing victory over the Democrats because the Democrats were in bad favor in Kentucky. But uh, Bevin made such a mess out out of uh, his his uh, first four years, he came in and immediately started picking fights with teachers groups, which, first of all, they're a very powerful union, and second of all, they have uh, widespread public support, and uh, and the issues with which he picked these fights with the teachers unions were you know, trying to claw back uh, some of their retirement benefits and, and – uh, and cut the uh, funding to the classrooms. <laughs> That's just a, a rookie mistake. You don't go in in your first term in office and start by picking a fight with the, the school teachers. And, uh, and 
you know, this wasn't even to to do with the school choice as much as basically just trying to uh, to to chisel uh, the school teachers who are already underpaid and overworked out of their uh, the retirement benefits that they had already earned. So I've got a clip here. Um, this this first one is actually from PBS. You don't hear many PBS clips on this show, uh, this show, but you uh, you'll hear hear why Bashir uh, was was strong and why Bevan was so weak. There's a few reasons why this race is so tight. One, Andy Bashir has strong name recognition. His dad, Steve Bashir, was Kentucky's last governor. But Governor Bevan has also hurt himself with some key groups in Kentucky. In 2018, teachers protested education and pension funding. Governor Bevin suggested that with schools closed because of the walkout, some children risked being sexually assaulted. He also called protesting teachers selfish and ignorant. It's all made Bevin one of the most unpopular incumbents in the nation. This is about making sure they show up on Tuesday. It's driven many teachers and other state employees to work hard to unseat Bevin. This gathering, largely made up of educators in the Lexington area, were getting ready to canvas voters for Andy Bashir. They are trying to make it look like that, you know, Andy is a socialist. Let me tell you, if you can find a socialist, a full, like, through-the-core socialist in the state of Kentucky... I will kiss your hiney. These volunteers, mostly Democrats, but also a few Republicans, said there was a host of issues on their minds, ranging from clean water to corporate money and politics. Claire Batt is a Democrat. Denise Finley has been a lifelong Republican. Both are retired school teachers and longtime friends. And they spent much of Saturday trying to remind likely Bashir voters so you had the uh, the school teachers absolutely uh, mobilize uh, to defend themselves and their honor. Uh, uh, Bevan went right at them. Probably one of the most you know sympathetic uh, uh, groups of public employees that uh, that work hard and um, and get damn little pay for it. So Trump went down there. He acknowledged during his speech on um, I guess that was Monday evening. That uh, Matt Bevin, you know, was uh, was up against it. That he had uh, made some missteps when Trump uh, started campaigning for Bevin. Bevin was behind by over twenty points, and now uh, the the race is too close to call. That has not prevented the mainstream media from declaring that this is uh, this was a referendum on Donald Trump, and that uh, it you know portends disaster for the Trump campaign uh, in twenty twenty. For his part, Matt Bevin is um, is refusing to give up the fight. With respect to our race, would it be would it be a Bevin race if it wasn't a squeaker? I mean, come on. I mean, really and truly, this is a close, close race. We are not conceding this race by any stretch. Not at all. And here's the thing: understand this, though. Understand this: we want the process to be followed, and there is a process. We know for a fact that there have been more than a few irregularities. They are very well corroborated, and that's all right. So the process will be followed in the next hours and days ahead. So uh, there, there were indeed some irregularities. They've been well documented, as uh, Matt Bevin says. Uh, one of them was reported on Fox News, uh, who had a, a reporter on the ground. 
It's, it certainly is a nail-biter, and it's not over yet. The Bevin team had monitors and lawyers watching this process, and they are now claiming an irregularity. Specific, one specific irregularity that they're claiming is that they monitor the polling places in very liberal Fayette County, uh, Kentucky, and claim that some of those uh, polling places stayed open late. So uh, Governor Bevin said a process has begun to challenge the outcome here, and by the process begun, uh, at this late hour, no paperwork has been filed. What they essentially have is a team of lawyers uh, who are huddled determining what their options are next. One thing is very clear, though, with a split at 0.3%, Governor Bevan is not giving up yet. Well, I have very little doubt that uh, in those precincts that are controlled by Democrat um, uh, voter su- uh, vote supervisors, that there very well may have been irregularities. And if they were keeping uh, polls open late, if they were accepting new people in the lines after the polls close, then that uh, that is... Um, misconduct indeed you'd say well shouldn't everybody have the right to vote and that's the argument the democrats will make you know so what if they showed up late the problem is you know if the uh the republic in the republican uh districts if they were you know shutting the line off at uh the uh the end of the uh the polling times and in the liberal mostly uh more highly populated districts they were keeping them open and that's the kind of uh, voter fraud and uh, and engineering uh, that you just can't allow. Laura Ingram had Don Jr. on his race to answer these charges by the Democrats that uh, this is, you know, this was a referendum and this shows that Trump is weak going into 2020. Bevin was the most unpopular governor in the country, was once down 20 points, Mm -hmm. and now it's still too close to call, 49% versus 49%. He ran against a family that's legendary, the Bashir family, of course, in Kentucky. So what's your response to, well, look, it's it's predictable what they would say, but what's your response? It's the sound bites that we're so used to. I mean, any any opportunity to try to take a swipe. I mean, the rest of, they don't talk about the rest of the Republican ticket sweeping. They don't talk about the first African-American attorney general who happens to be a Republican, you know, elected. They don't mention that you know trump helped propel those guys to those places and you had i like matt bevin he's been a friend of mine he's been he's a good guy but he's picked a lot of battles he's uh you know teed off on a lot of people in kentucky that's not always popular we understand how that works but they won't give trump the credit for that i mean but this is that same mainstream media that will run with anything this is the same mainstream media laura that tells me that uh al-baghdadi is an austere religious scholar he's not a rapist and a murderer and a guy that doused people in gasoline so Trump uh, almost pulled him over the line. He may pull him over the line yet. Uh, very few of these races get re- uh, reversed. But if he had uh, poll watchers out there and they can document some uh, real irregularities, especially keeping the polls open late, then uh, maybe there's a chance. As far as the other uh, five out of six races that took place in Kentucky, the Republican won, uh, including uh, you know some very promising young candidates. Uh, but uh, apparently Bevin had... Uh, generated so much on popularity that he's struggling in virginia uh the the march from turning that from a formerly red state into a purple state and now into a blue state marches on um they uh, the democrats took control of both houses of the legislature and now they've got the legislature and the governorship and uh buckle uh buckle up virginia because you're about to get some good old cultural Marxism, good and hard, because now there will be no no restraint on your disgraced Governor Ralph Northam, 
and his lieutenant governor disgraced Justin Fairfax as they um, they rampaged throughout the state, destroying um, historical monuments and implementing the uh, the agenda of George Soros. George Soros is uh, very active in this Virginia election, uh, funding attorney general races, county attorney general races, district attorney, I'm sorry, county district attorney races throughout the state to try to implement his, uh, his brand of uh, social justice criminal reform, which uh, involves not enforcing crimes, not enforcing property crimes, um, not uh, taking criminals off the street, but releasing them back into uh, the general population. So yeah, you're going to hear the drumbeat all day that this, uh, you know, this uh, spells doom for Trump in 2020, and they'll use this along with their fake polling uh, to push that narrative. What I want to know is where are all these polls, you know, on Nancy approval, uh, Nancy Pelosi's approval rating. How about Adam Schiff's approval rating? How about uh, we take a poll and ask how many people think that Joe Biden is. Uh, is mentally unfit to be president, or if they consider Elizabeth Warren a, a a Marxist, that would be good to see. We're going to run out to a break, and when we come back, we're going to uh, talk about the d- developments in the ABC Epstein scandal right after these messages. Stick with us. Mojo. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Well, I got long-winded in this, excuse me, got long-winded in this first segment, and uh, I'm running out of time. I'm going to cover the uh, ABC News covering up the Jeffrey Epstein uh, pedophilia ring after... uh, uh, the the next break, and uh, we'll just talk a little bit about uh, the court activity that's been going on regarding Donald Trump. The Second uh, Circuit Court in New York has ruled that uh, Donald Trump has to turn over eight years of his personal tax returns to the Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance to determine whether or not uh, the non-disclosure agreement with Stormy Daniels constituted a campaign contribution. Now, nobody's bothering to ask the question, why would you need eight years of Trump's tax returns to make that determination? Of course, the reason is, is because Cy Vance is engaging in prosecutorial misconduct, trying to use anything that he can in order to get at these tax returns that will be promptly leaked. I don't know what they'll show. They may show that uh, Trump didn't make as much money as he said he, he did. Or that he didn't, you know, pay as much in taxes. The point is, um, you, you've got the deep state resistance using the court system and these Obama judges to va- basically violate 
rights and set precedents. So this ruling is going to be appealed to the Supreme Court. I have little doubt that it'll be overturned because it is a bogus ruling. We got to run out to a break, and when we come back, we'll take up this story at ABC News, where they've been caught covering up the Epstein story right after these messages. Stick with us. We'll be right back on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. We're going to talk about this uh, scandal at ABC News where their uh, their anchor, Amy Robach, was uh, caught on live video uh, declaring that uh, she had the story of Ep- Jeffrey Epstein three years ago and uh, and that the ABC News executives spiked the, st- the story. Uh, but I feel like in the last segment I gave kind of short shrift to what uh, George Soros is up to. He has, uh, he has found sort of an Achilles tendon of uh, law and order and, um, and social cohesion in this country. This is what he does. He's a, uh, a money speculator. He, he uh, goes in and uh, tries to tear down nations and then uh, sells their currencies short. I don't know exactly what uh, motivates this man, but he is a, uh, a malevolent force. He's going around pouring millions and millions of dollars into these uh, local district attorneys races and electing these uh, social justice district attorneys who refuse to enforce property crimes or drug offenses and um, and let uh, criminals back out on the streets without uh, without posting bond or anything. Uh, and uh, he he was successful uh, last night in Virginia. He's been he's been uh, playing in those races before and has uh, basically turned a lot of the uh, district attorney's offices in northern Virginia and the D.C. area and now including Fairfax County into uh, into sort of outposts of his uh, his brand of criminal justice reform, so-called. How does that uh, uh, manifest itself? Well, 
one of these um, Soros district attorneys in Texas, I believe it's in uh, Houston, is uh, refusing to uh, prosecute any property crimes under $750, and he announced it on the air. He, uh, he let everybody know that uh, you will not be prosecuted by the district attorney's office if you steal something of a lesser value than $750. That's basically put the merchants in uh, Harris County, where Houston's located, um, into a, uh, a vigilante situation because they've got to try to somehow keep um, uh, criminals from coming in and just walking away with their property. Um, and, uh, it, it is having the absolute predictable effects that, uh, crime is spiking. Every place Soros goes and Im- imposes these district attorneys, crime is spiked in Oakland, California and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The, uh, the federal, uh, attorney, the U S attorney, uh, for, uh, Philadelphia is basically in a, um, uh, a war with the district, uh, the local county district attorney, because he's refusing to enforce crimes and uh, or enforce the law, and crimes are spiking. And I don't know why, um, you know, somebody doesn't get serious about pushing back on these George Soros-funded uh, schemes, and uh, and go right at George Soros and look at, you know, he's doing this all over the world trying to uh, tear down countries and their, uh, their social uh, fabric. The, uh, the uh, president of Hungary, Orban, kicked him out. He had a university there where he was training up the next uh, generation of these social justice um, agitators. He kicked George Soros out, shut down his nonprofits, and closed that university. Okay, so this story on uh, ABC News. Amy Robach, you might remember her. She was the one that conducted the softball interview of Hunter Biden where you know she, she didn't follow up on any hard questions and basically just allowed him to uh, get his narrative out there that they had done nothing wrong and there was no proof and everybody agrees with it and let's all move on. Well, she was um, Project Veritas, James O'Keefe, who is – doing the kind of real journalism that 60 Minutes used to do. Uh, he came into possession probably from a, uh, a disgruntled employee over there at ABC News with Amy Robach sitting on the set uh, talking about how she had uh, the, the story of uh, Jeffrey Epstein and his pedophilia ring over three years ago and took it to the executives at ABC News who would not let her go forward with it. Here's a clip, uh, that clip that I told you about. I've had the story for three years. I've had this interview with Virginia Roberts. We would not put it on the air. Um, first of all, I was told, who's Jeffrey Epstein? No one knows who that is. This is a stupid story. Um, then the palace found out that we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us a million different ways. Um, 
we were so afraid we wouldn't be able to interview Kate and Will that we that also quashed the story. And then, um, and then Alan Dershowitz was also implicated in because of the planes. She told me everything. She had pictures. She had everything. She was in hiding for 12 years. We convinced her to come out. We convinced her to talk to us. Um, it was unbelievable what we had. Clinton. We had everything. I, I tried for three years to get it on to no avail, and now it's all coming out, and it's like these new revelations, and I freaking had all of it. I, I, I'm so pissed right now. Like, every day I get more and more pissed because I'm just like, oh, my God. We, it was, um, what, what we had was unreal. Other women backing it up. Hey, yep. Brad Edwards, the attorney, three years ago, saying, like, aunt, like, we, there will come a day when we will realize Jeffrey Epstein was the most prolific pedophile this country has ever known. And I had it all three years ago. Three years ago. Can you imagine how much damage Jeffrey Epstein has done in those three years? Are you starting to see a pattern here? ABC News sets, spikes a story. Catch and kills the term they like to use. Spikes a story on Jeffrey Epstein. Over at CBS, you got Les Moonves and Charlie Rose and Jeff Fager all engaging in sexual misconduct and covering it up. At NBC News, you had Matt Lauer um, basically uh, using his uh, his power uh, to take advantage of uh, young interns. And then you had the, uh, the management over there at NBC News spiking the story of... Uh, of uh, Harvey Weinstein and refusing to publish the story that uh, Ronan Farrow had put together. They said it wasn't ready for air, just like the, the executives at ABC News when they spiked the Jeffrey Epstein story. Oh, it's not ready for air. We'll just sit on it. ABC News, in response to this, the leak of this video came out and said, oh, uh, you know, it wasn't ready for air. It didn't meet our standards. It didn't meet our standards. We have strict standards over here at ABC News. They didn't have such strict standards when they jumped all over the Catholic, uh, the Covington Catholic schoolboys and vilified them and said that they were somehow abusing this poor uh, elderly Native American war veteran who was never served in Vietnam. They, they were on the air the next day. They jumped all over these bogus allegations of, uh, of uh, Blase Ford against Brett Kavanaugh. They didn't, uh, they didn't try to nail down any of that story. They just both jumped on Brett Kavanaugh with both feet day after day. Standards. And you got to keep in mind, ABC News, who spikes this story of this widespread pedophilia ring run by Jeffrey Epstein involving dozens of rich and powerful men, including Bill Clinton and the Prince, uh, uh, Prince Andrew. They're owned by the Disney Corporation. Walt Disney's corporation owns a news division that spiked a story exposing a pedophilia ring. That's where we're at in this country. How many children do you think were abused during those three years? How many of these 
pedophiles got away with it because ABC spiked this story. Why, Why would they kill this story? This is huge news. I think you know. Because they involved powerful people, and especially Bill Clinton. And what was going on three years ago? Let's see. What was going on three years? Oh, that's right. Hillary Clinton was running for president of the United States. They spiked the story because they did not want anything that would reflect badly on the Clintons to come out. Amy Robach uh, went on uh, to comment on whether or not she she believed uh, that Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide. Of course he didn't. Well, my uh, technology is acting up this morning. Here we go. So do I think he was killed? A hundred percent. Yes, I do. Because he made his whole living blackmailing people. There were a lot of men in those planes, a lot of men who visited that island, a lot of powerful men who came into that apartment. When I heard he was found in his cell I knew immediately. <clears throat> and they made it seem as though he made that suicide attempt two weeks earlier, but his lawyers claimed that he was roughed up by his cellmate around the neck. That was all, like, to plant the seed, and then that's why I really believe it. Like, really believe it. So we know ABC News said on the story of Jeffrey Epstein for three years. It, they'd still be sitting on it if, uh, if James O'Keefe and Project Veritas hadn't outed them. We know over at NBC News, they said on the uh, the sexual depra- uh, um, story of Harvey Weinstein, they'd still be sitting on it if Ronan Farrow hadn't have taken the story to another outlet. And you got to ask yourself, uh, if you know, if if we can't trust the media to warn us of a a serial child rapist. Somebody who trafficked in uh, <clears throat> in abusing children because the Clintons were involved. Can you believe anything they have to say negative against Donald Trump? Project Veritas is now <clears throat> a small operation. You know, I, I think they probably have ten employees. They're filling the void that's been left by the corporate media. Because the corporate media has now adopted the the position of a cover-up operation. Catch and kill. We get the story. We spike it. We keep a lid on it. <laughs> CNN hasn't, uh, hasn't even bothered to cover the ABC story. So the biggest story of media misconduct <clears throat> probably of our lifetime, CNN's not covering because CNN's a fellow traveler with ABC News. And, uh, of course, you know, CNN <coughs> is on airports all over the country. And uh, one thing that uh, has, has uh, happened is people are uh, going on and <laughs> using the paging system at airports, uh, paging Epstein cover-up, paging Epstein cover-up, 
because, uh, you know, to, to point out that uh, there is no coverage on CNN of this story. I found an interesting little clip on Twitter related to this. This is Johnny Carson back in 1984 pointing out that uh, it was uh, knowledge back then of uh, Prince Andrew's pedophilia. Hi, this is Johnny Carson asking, you have a daughter who's a really good-looking chick. (laughs) Well, you may be able to change her life and improve your financial status because Prince Andrew is looking for a new girlfriend. (laughs) Just drop a nude photo of your little nymphette in a self-addressed stamp envelope and mail it to Royal Affair, Buckingham Palace, London. So apparently it was not uh, common knowledge back then uh, that all of this was going on with the, uh, the, the palace as Amy Robach calls it. And uh, they, they say that, uh, uh, or she says, that the reason they said on the ABC uh, or on the um, Epstein pedophilia story is because they didn't want to be denied access to stories involving the royal family. <laughs> I think it had more to do with the Clintons. Um, where is this clip? Where is this clip? Oh, Trevor Noah had uh, Hillary and Chelsea Clinton on his show to promote their new book and uh, ask them a, or ask Hillary an interesting question. By Secretary Hillary Rodham Clinton and Chelsea Clinton, who co-wrote the book of Gutsy Women. Um, Hillary, I have to ask you a question that has been plaguing me for a while. How did you kill Jeffrey Epstein? <laughs> because you... you Hillary just cackles at it. Same cackle you remember she uh, she used when she uh, talked about um, overturning the government in Libya. We came, we saw, we conquered. <laughs> we came, we saw, he died. So uh, we had to run out to a break. When we come back, we're going to catch up on what's going on in Amy Berman Jackson's uh, Obama courtroom right there in D.C. where the new... Uh, Uh, The new deplorable in the dock is none other than Roger Stone. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. So they've got Roger Stone in the courtroom of Judge Amy Berman Jackson. The same one that, uh, oddly enough, seems to get every, uh, every case that involves, um, this uh, Russia gate hoax against Donald Trump. Amy Berman Jackson heard the Manafort case. Amy Berman Jackson has ruled on several of these uh, these issues uh, where uh, Robert Mueller was engaging in his prosecutorial misconduct. She is just a one judge in this uh, D- D.C. circuit, and how she continues to get all of these cases is a real head-scratcher. Because what's supposed to happen when you come into these courtrooms is they're supposed to have a, a rotating system where you get a judge by random. 
And if you think, and of course that's not happening, Amy Berman Jackson's getting all these cases. And if you think Roger Stone can get a fair trial out of the uh, D.C. district, you're delusional that uh, the the swamp bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. voted for Hillary Clinton 95%. So they keep dragging all of these uh, these defendants, not only to uh, the D.C. circuit where they can't get a an objective jury, an unbiased jury, but they always end up... Bef- before Judge Amy Berman Jackson, who shows that she will twist the law in order to benefit Democrats and punish anybody associated with Donald Trump. So they've accused Roger Stone of lying to Congress. <laughs> oh, my God. They're prosecuting Roger Stone for lying to Congress. They showed up at his, his house at 4 a.m., with SWAT teams and helicopters in the air and a boat in the canal behind his house with uh, CNN cameras rolling to drag him into court and accuse him of lying to Congress. Well, I seem to recall some other people lying to Congress. Documented lies. James Comey lied to Congress. James Clapper lied to Congress. John Brennan lied to Congress, not behind closed doors. But in public testimony, demonstrable lies. John Brennan, who denied that the CIA was uh, was going through the emails of uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee, caught lying to Congress. Peter Strzok lied repeatedly to Congress. Hillary Clinton lied to Congress. But Roger Stone, who is a sort of a colorful figure, a uh, uh, a Washington uh, rascal. He's supposed to have lied to Congress behind closed doors during about an eight-hour testimony. We don't know whether or not he, in fact, lied to Congress because uh, that testimony has not been released. But uh, anybody that goes in and testifies uh, before Congress is a fool. If you're called to testify before Congress or give an interview with the FBI, you should just claim the Fifth Amendment and uh, and say, I'm not claiming the Fifth because I'm guilty. I'm claiming the Fifth because anything I say can and will be used against me in the court of law, and this, uh, this Department of Justice has shown that they will engage in prosecutorial misconduct and use my words, twist them, uh, to try to catch me in some sort of inconsistency and then bring charges that I lied. They tried it against, um, uh, shoot. I can't remember his name. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, oh, I, I'll think of it in a second, but you know, they, they put Papadopoulos in jail for lying. Uh, they, that's one of the charges they brought against Manafort. <clears throat> if they really want to get you, They'll try to claim that you lied to an FBI agent. Don't, don't give them the material with which to, don't give them the rope with which to hang you with. So I've got this clip. This is Roger Stone uh, appearing on Tucker's show. They're, uh, they basically went after uh, Roger Stone because they said that he had uh, advanced knowledge of uh, the WikiLeaks and that he had coordinated with Julian Assange. 
When As did for you, the when, claim when, that when and how did you learn that WikiLeaks had these stolen emails? Uh, when Julian Assange said it uh, on CNN on July 22nd, 2016, and then repeated it on Fox uh, on August 24th. This was not a state secret. Randy Credico was the source who told me that the, the material was significant, dynamite, a bombshell, and so on, and that it would be released in October. There's also, I think, a reference to uh, Dr. Corsi in here, Dr. Jerome Corsi, who told That's me in an name, email uh, when he was in Italy, August 2nd, that the WikiLeaks disclosures would come shortly thereafter, and there'd be another one immediately after that in August. That all turned out to be incorrect. So um, there's no evidence that I received anything whatsoever from WikiLeaks that I knew the subject or the content of this material. Right. Well, that's uh, this I mean, is that's, being used well, to that silence allegations me. Not even that's not even in here. The, the, the allegations, as far as you, I can tell from reading it, is is that you you lied to this congressional committee. Have you spoken to the president about this? I, I have not. But again, if you watch CNN or MSNBC, you wouldn't know that because they act as if Stone act as the conduit between the Trump campaign and WikiLeaks, or between Donald Trump and WikiLeaks. When the president answered the written interrogatories, he correctly and honestly said, Roger Stone and I never discussed this, and we never did. So it's clear, I mean, it's clear from reading the indictment, and you've, you've been saying it for at least a year, that the feds were spying on your texts. Um, there's, a, the, there's no question about it. No I agree, based on, based on the indictment that they released today. So given that they're reading all of your texts, you text with a huge, I happen to know, a huge number of journalists, including me, and some of them, you know, work for CNN even maybe. Um, all of those texts were being read by a federal prosecutor. What do you think those journalists, some of whom are talking about this case right now on TV, think of that? Uh, you know, the, the, uh, that's the amazing thing, is the press is not coming out and standing up against this war against free expression, this war against the First Amendment, which is really a war against the press. Look, Tucker, oh, I think we both know the game here. Wear Stone down financially, make sure that he's broke so that he has to plead guilty to these charges, uh, even though he didn't commit them, uh, and then try to flip me against the president. Uh, I'm facing $2 million now in potential legal fees. People can go to stonedefensefund.com to help me, stonedefensefund.com. I'm in for the fight of my life, but uh, I will not quit. I will not fold. I will not bend. I will not bear false witness against the president. I intend to fight because this indictment is, is, uh, is fabricated. This stonedefensefund.com. <clears throat> That's stonedefensefund.com. What are the odds that um, Roger Stone can get a fair trial by a jury in the District of Columbia. Zero. What do you think the odds are that he'll get fair treatment from Judge Amy Berman Jackson? Zero. A conviction in this case would mean absolutely nothing. They, in fact, put a, a, a former communications director for Barack Obama on this jury. This jury pool is overwhelmingly consists of people who hate Donald Trump and will take an opportunity to throw Roger Stone in jail for the rest of his life to try to, um, you know, get back at Donald Trump. Uh, so um, <clears throat> I've been telling you that uh, this, this 
narrative that the the media has put together that is somehow illegal to publish the name of the whistleblower, and that's that's why they're sitting on it, is a uh, a hoax, a falsehood. And um, I I got several emails saying no, in fact, it's not uh, legal. It is illegal to publish the name of the whistleblower. It is not. And Rand Paul, who's got a huge Senate staff that I'm sure has um, researched this and who's, in fact, thinking of releasing the whistleblower's name himself, was answering a question by a reporter that was forwarding this narrative. The whistleblower laws, though, they protect the whistleblower. You know it's illegal to out a whistleblower. Actually, you see, you got that wrong, too. No, I mean, we don't. you should work on the facts. Here's the thing is, the whistleblower statute protects the whistleblower from having his name revealed by the inspector general. Even the New York Times admits that no one else is under any legal obligation. The other point, and you need to be very careful if you really are interested in the news, She's is not. that the whistleblower actually is a material witness completely separate from being the whistleblower because he worked for Joe Biden. He worked for Joe Biden at the same time Hunter Biden was receiving $50,000 a month. So the investigation into the corruption of Hunter Biden involves this uh, whistleblower because he was there at the time. Did he bring up the conflict of interest? Was there discussion of this? What was his involvement with the relationship between Joe Biden and the prosecutor? There's a lot of questions that the whistleblower needs to answer. Did you hear her say when she asked the question, um, Rand Paul said it's not illegal to, uh, against the law, and, and uh, the reporter started to argue with them. No, it's not legal. They're they're putting forward a false narrative. They're trying to keep a lid on this guy because he is a resistance operative in the deep state, and they don't want him to have to answer any difficult questions. Well, I know this show is all over the place today. We'll uh, try to catch up again tomorrow, and I hope you'll join us then right back here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Talk to you then. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how Voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more.